Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. So we're going to give this one a fourth try now. I've been trying to start the podcast several times this morning, but unfortunately, we're having thunderstorms, downpours. My tarantula room has a skylight, and the rain pounding off the skylight has been an issue. And I had an escape cricket this morning that wouldn't shut up in the background, so it's been rather frustrating trying to get things going. I'm going to give it a shot now and just going to warn people in advance that unfortunately, there may be a little bit of background noise as we go through this. We'll see how it goes. Sometimes I get rolling, I'm talking, and then it's only when I pause to take a breath or take a sip of my coffee that I realize it was some type of noise in the background, whether it be sometimes it's a plane, sometimes it's somebody driving up the driveway, sometimes it's the kids downstairs, a dog barking, something like that. I'm afraid this time it might be thunder cracking or the rain outside. As for the cricket, I just hope that you guys are used to the cricket noises now. It's a nice little, you know, ambiance in the background, but here we go. So to kick this one off, first thing I want to talk a bit about is I was pretty excited to find a new enclosure on Amazon. I'm trying out As everyone knows, I enjoy finding new things, new enclosure styles. Anything that they put up on Amazon that I think could be used for a tarantula, I usually try to pick up at least one, see how it works, and I found some great stuff with it. The old Barbarous Growth is one of the ones that I bought kind of on a whim and thought, this will be neat to try out, and I love them for certain things. There's been other ones that I've tried out over the years, uh, Crapels or Crapellas, whatever it's called. That's another one that I really like. So I enjoy doing it because, A, if I find that they don't work, I can warn people, hey, you know what, not a not a good one to use. They're not appropriate for tarantulas and whatnot. But B, what I really like is when I find something that really works well, being able to share it with folks out there. Because I know everybody, a lot of people are like me and that you're constantly looking for new enclosure styles, new, bigger and better things to put your tarantulas in. So I love sharing that kind of information. If I find something that's worth passing along, the thing I don't love about it, sometimes I find something I really love and then come to find out, I go to order them and they're sold out because so many people bought them. This happened not that long ago with some of the barbarous growth, reptile growth, the large 10 gallon ones. I I said, yeah, there's 10 gallon ones out there. They had like 15 of them in stock. I went to buy a couple more and they were sold out. So Oh, well, I, I'm not going to give up doing this. But the other day I was on and they're like, hey, you may be interested. You know what Amazon is. I'm a sucker for Amazon. They're like, you might be interested in this. And it was this new design, really cool looking enclosure. It measured about 10 inches by 7 inches by 14 inches or 25.4 by 17.8 by 35.6 centimeters for those who use the metric system. And it's designed in such a way that it allows you to use it as both an arboreal or a terrestrial slash fossorial. I see it more as when it's laying down on its side, more of a fossorial enclosure. And that's what kind of really grabbed my attention with it because I'm always on the lookout for something cool to use for some of my fossorial species. I also have a bunch of Ephibopus species that I'm going to have to rehouse soon. I'm hoping to get some, you know, a nice adult females. And I've been trying to find something really cool to put them in. And this might be the answer to that. So I picked up one to try out, was really impressed with it. Very overall, very well made, thick acrylic, very clear. The size of it is quite large. They're $49.99, which is not bad at all for an enclosure of those dimensions. I was actually very, very impressed. I hope the price stays like that because if they keep them at $50, I think these would be a nice option. Now, I will say a couple comments on it. The ventilation, it's got ventilation strips on two sides. On the front, there's basically a sliding hatch, like one of the magnetic hatches that a lot of folks use now for their acrylic enclosures on the front. And then there are holes on the top, but it's all in about a 
three inch band around picture the sides three inch band top maybe three inch band two and a half inch band and then the front so decent ventilation but there's smaller holes and then before like maybe an avicular or something that needs a little bit more airflow it, it would be iffy with these guys for something like a I don't know Salmopia species I was looking at that for like maybe a Salmopia because those I usually like to put a little more substrate in and it does have a decent what I love about it is that if you stand it upright and use it as an arboreal one the door is at least I want to say five six inches from the bottom so you could pack in a decent amount of substrate in there for something like that where it was higher substrate level one of those arboreals it might do a little digging or whatnot I think it would work great for them my thing is when you flip them on the side it looks like it would be a wonderful wonderful fossorial enclosure for a medium maybe large fossorial species so I picked them up they are one thing I will say right off the bat so folks may want to hold on a bit they identified some of the ones and this happens I've seen this with just about every one of the acrylic enclosures that people get done they get their first batch in and there's a couple defective ones where they aren't glued right the one I had had a little issue with the gluing but the customer service was amazing I contacted the woman who runs it she has just started the business she's very excited to get going and basically said you know here's the deal I can use this but I'd like to show them off eventually and I'd like to make sure the problem's been fixed she said yes it's been identified they have a new shipment coming in and immediately sent me a brand new one I didn't have to return the other one so that's fantastic so as long as they're standing by the customer service I'm going to give them another try I'm actually ordering two more my goal is that I would like one for each. Hopefully, I will get four females for my Ephibibus species and be able to have them in these, and I think they will look great. So I will keep people up there if you want to hold on and find out what happens the next time I order them. But if you want to check them out, see what I'm talking about. They're listed under Tarantula. I believe the, com the company name is Authentic Joy, and it's Tarantula Enclosure XL Reptile Terrarium with Sliding Magnetic Door. And you can find them on Amazon. Very Again, I'm going to be doing some more work with them. I'll get this other one in. Hopefully, what will happen this other one will come in it sounds like anybody that's had this issue the new ones they got in work perfectly fine they're well glued and hopefully at that point I can set something up in it and kind of show them off because again I love this is a part I love about going on buying these things is finding something cool and being able to show it off and then not being able to find any for myself afterwards because they sell out so keep your ears and eyes open for that one obviously as soon as I get the new one in and do that rehousing I'll let everybody on the podcast know you can go over and probably check it out in the video if you're so inclined so for today's topic we're going to go over I was going over this and I realized I'd never covered it in this way before I've covered a lot of these things in individual podcasts I think a bunch of them I did were from listener questions but today I want to talk about some hidden threats in the home as far as tarantulas are concerned. So things that are in your home that you may not think about that could pose a threat or a danger to your tarantulas. Some of these, again, I've hit on here and there. I think a couple more even covered in some of the tarantula quizzes and tests we've done. But I kind of want to put them all together because I think this would be something that somebody just getting into the, the keeping tarantulas, a lot of times there's a lot of questions like this. People start asking, wait a minute, what about this? Is this Could this be an issue? What about the, that? Um, and some of these I don't even think we think about until we actually encounter them ourselves. And so what I did is kind of look back at over some of the comments and emails I've received over the years, things I've heard of people losing tarantulas, tarantulas dying from certain circumstances, things that I've experienced in my own collection and kind of put together a list of 10 of the ones I could think of. Now, it's again, you guys know my my feelings on the top 10 list. This isn't like, oh, number one, but I did try to structure them in a way to least common or least likely to harm your tarantulas to you, you have a serious threat. This is something you absolutely need to think about if you're doing. So it's kind of 
it's set up like the the ones on the top of the list are ones that you know it's definitely something to think about that can easily be remedied. And then as we get down to the bottom, there are things that if you expose your tarantulas to them, you're very likely to have some deaths or have some serious issues with your tarantula collection. So again, I don't want it to be like we're going to get down to the top to the thing that kills them the most. It's not about that. It's just about things that more people are going to encounter or more people have had issues with, or at least I've been privy to more people having issues with over the years. And we're going to kick this one off with number 10. We're going to start off with tap water. And I'm fortunate in that the last two houses we've been at, we have well water. This isn't a concern, but for folks who have tap water, obviously one of the things they are concerned with is a lot of times there are additives to tap water. I think the most common would be chlorine and fluoride. And I've had many folks over the years ask me, is it okay to use tap water for my tarantulas? A lot of them will tell me flat out they didn't, they don't use tap water at all for their tarantulas. But I have a lot of folks that come up and say, hey, what do you think? Now, here's the deal. I want to make this very, very clear before people start freaking out over it. I have zero evidence to prove any tarantula has ever died from drinking tap water. That's why this one's so low on the list. However, when people ask me, would you have used tap water back at my house when we lived in another town years ago that we had public water, would I have used that water to water my tarantulas? The answer would be no. I'd be worried about even with the small amounts of chlorine or fluoride, that could be something that could harm the spiders. I don't know if there's been any research on that, but that's something I would, as a precaution, try to avoid. So I put it on here because it, I do get asked it quite a bit. I, I put it on here because it is something people need to think about. Now, if somebody's been, if some of you out there have been using tap water for years, never had an issue, please feel free to chime in. But I guess it all depends on where you're at, what they're putting in, what the concentration of the chemicals are. I guess there's a lot of it. So if somebody may have no problem one place, somebody in another place, it may be an issue. I just want to put it on here because it is something folks should be thinking about before they start picking up spiders. Do I have tap water? What do they add to it? Is this something I want a chance or do I want to buy bottled water? Because if so, if you're going to be buying some type of bottled water or distilled water or something like that, you're obviously that's going to increase your expense as far as keeping tarantulas. And they're relatively cheap to get it anyway. And I think bottled water isn't too, too bad if you're not buying the super expensive stuff. But that would be something to think about. Number nine, I put this one on here because it does pop up again. It's one of those ones, though, that I think if you're cognizant of it and you act quickly enough, you can mitigate any issues that could arise from it. I am talking about number nine, which is windows and doors. Now, to explain, many of us will get tarantulas on, you know, not in the cold winter months, not necessarily in the heat of summer, but during those in between the fall or spring when the sun may not be hitting a window a certain way or where a room may be heated during the day. So it seems to be an appropriate environment for it. But what ends up happening is as the weather gets warmer or cooler, those conditions can change. So, for example, I spoke about how when we first moved into our newer home, it was the middle of winter. I set up the tarantulas in the tarantula room. There were two skylights, and I watched to see if the sun would beat down the skylights at any point, and it did not, so I didn't worry about them too much. So the winter went by, spring came, we started easing a bit into summer, and then I realized everything changed. The sun would come up in the morning, it would hit those windows directly, and it would shine directly on some of the enclosures I had on a shelf on the opposite wall. So that was something that I had to quickly make some changes. Initially, it had me taking 
down a lot of these enclosures and moving them sort of out of the way while I can find something to put over the skylights to keep that light from coming in. So that's something that can sometimes sneak up on you. And I have heard instances of folks who have had spiders that have unfortunately been baked. They've had them in glass containers, glass enclosures, and you kind of get the old like, car windows rolled up in the summertime effect where the light comes in, the sunlight comes in, hits those cages and just heats them up to a point where the spider can't escape. And then some people will say, well, in the wild, it gets nice and you know warm where they're at. We forget the fact that in the wild, many of them will escape to burrows. That's how they get out of the bright sun or they get out of the, the cold weather. They go down into those burrows. And if the whole cage is heated up, that three, four, five inches of substrate that you have in there isn't going to be enough to keep it cool. So that's always something you need to pay attention to when you get into the hobby. Where are you putting them? And does it remain a consistently safe place for them? throughout the year if not you have to make some changes put up some shades put up some blinds tweak where you're putting them put them on a different shelf that's not opposite of the window things of that nature and then the door part is a lot of times doors depending on where you're keeping your spiders they're sources of drafts so I've mentioned before that there are people that will have like they want their tarantulas in their living room. They set them up during the warmer months. They're on a shelf near a door or some somewhere by a door that goes outside. Then the winter comes and people are going in and out of that door and they're letting drafts in and suddenly they find an evict curled up or another spider that's not eating well. That can be an issue for them too. So you want to make sure no matter if you have them in rooms with doors that lead to the outside, if you have them in rooms with a lot of windows, you kind of have to do seasonal checks to make sure those places are appropriate. I have spoken to people that will move theirs seasonally, which that can be kind of honestly a pain in the butt. But if it works for you, so be it. But what they will do is they'll have certain places they display them during the winter time, And then when the summer comes along and the light's coming in or it becomes too warm in that room, they move them to another room. Obviously, folks like myself with this very large collection, that wouldn't be really realistic, but something to think about. So when you're picking them up, where you put them always take a look at, take inventory of the windows, doors, the light coming in, the drafts coming in, and make sure you're checking that as the year goes on and as the seasons change. Number eight, I got this one kind of low on the list because it doesn't happen as much as it probably could, but I have unfortunately been privy to many stories, horror stories over the years of this particular threat becoming an issue. Number eight is other people. This is a big one. This is for folks that want to try to hide tarantulas because their parents won't let them have them. Folks that get tarantulas that live in like dorm rooms or apartments with roommates uh, that live with other family members, younger brothers and sisters. Other people can be a threat to your animals. Over the years when talking to folks, I've heard about younger brothers and sisters coming in because they're curious. Uh, they want to show their friends a pet and the pet being taken out or dropped or the enclosure being dropped when they're trying to move it to another area. I've heard many instances of folks who keep them in college dorms of things happening to them when they're not out. One of them, they took it out during a party. They let it out and somebody got freaked out. It dropped on the floor and then somebody squashed it, which was horrific. They had had this pet for quite some time and brought it with them to college because their parents didn't want it around the house. I heard from a tarantula hobbyist who explained that his first tarantula he got when he was around 10 or 11 years old and bought from a friend or traded for something from a friend, even though his mother told him he could not have it. He tried to keep it under his bed. The mother found it, killed the spider, told him you can't have it here. So it's very important. And there are a couple things you want to make sure of. If you're ha going to have a tarantula in a situation where there's going to be a lot of people coming in and out of the house that you may not know, 
that you got to be careful in those situations because unfortunately you may have a situation where your roommate or your doormates respect the animal and do not would never do anything to harm it and I think that's usually the way it is but you never know who's going to walk through that door and go oh a spider try to take it out to handle it or do something worse to it so that's always something to have in mind if you have younger brothers and sisters you want to make sure that a you've checked with your parents first b that there are isn't going to be a situation where they can get to them a lot of times what happens is they just bring the younger brothers and sisters in have them help with feeding maintenance they they invite them to be part of the hobby so the kids don't feel like it's this taboo thing that they have to sneak in and and play with or check out and I think that's very important creating the type of atmosphere that those around you respect what you have and respect the animal and would never do anything to harm it and I have to say I have a lot of I won't say a lot but there's been several over the years younger potential hobbyists you know 9 10 11 12 years old that have contacted me and said my parents won't let me have a tarantula I really want to get one should I grab should I get one and hide it and the answer to that's always no, I was in the same boat. I get it. Believe me, I wanted a tarantula so bad. I wanted a snake so bad when I lived with my mom. The answer was no, and I didn't try to hide it because I knew she would find it and either make me get rid of it or God only knows what else. So that's one that you want to make sure that if your parents say no, we've talked about it, done a whole podcast on how to convince parents and loved ones and mates or whatever, how how to convince them that tarantulas aren't that big of a deal and you should be able to get one. I would listen to that and try to convince them the right way, but don't try to hide them. It just leads to bad situations for the spider. If you want an animal, I assume it's because you love animals, you like the animal, and in which case you want to make sure that nothing bad happens to it. So other people sadly can be a threat. Sometimes it's in our control, sometimes it's not, but it's always something to consider, especially if you live with other people because again might not be them that might not be the roommate might not be the brother and sister it could be a friend of one of those that comes over and does the harm so definitely something to consider I've been very fortunate Billy was always on board with me having tarantulas my kids have always been incredibly respectful of everything I have but I think I shared the story before how I used to have snakes we had friends come over they never watched their kids they would just let their kids run amok and twice one of their kids let out one of my snakes so and I didn't get either of them back one of them was the first snake I ever acquired. So something to always consider. People will people, and unfortunately, you can't control what people will do when you're not around. So always have that in the back of your mind and be cognizant of that and try to inform as many people as you can that are going to come in contact with those animals about them so that hopefully something tragic doesn't happen. Now, the next one, while the rain continues to pound, I've end up, I've stopped this podcast like 20 times already waiting for the downpours to go away, but I'm going to try to go on, push on through. The next one, again, kind of like the windows and doors thing, can be a seasonal issue, but something everybody needs to think about, whether you're down in the much warmer states where you run ACs, whether you're up in the cooler states where wintertime our heaters are running. I'm talking, of course, about heating and air conditioning systems. Obviously, we need these for our homes, whether we're down south, get super hot during the summer, we want our ACs on, or up north where it gets really cold and we're turning on our heat. Uh, just about anywhere, this could be an issue. The thing is, much like the when we talked about the windows and doors, sometimes you get your animals during the optimal time of year where you don't have the heater on, you don't have an AC on, and everything seems absolutely perfect when where you have them. And then what happens is the winter months come, the room starts to get cold, the heat kicks on, and all of a sudden that nice moisture that you have in those enclosures 
moisture starts to dry up very, very quickly. I explained many times before that in our old house, the humidity level in the actual room that I kept the tarantulas in would sometimes drop to single digits in the cold winter months, which is not good for human skin, not good for our dog skin. Everybody was itchy and dry, but also it dried out the enclosures super fast. I hear a lot of folks from a lot of folks that pick up spiders, winter months come along, it gets really, the heat goes on and all of a sudden they're like, I freaked out. I went in the other day, I found three of my little slings dead and I realized the enclosures were dried up. It was because they didn't adapt to the fact that the air was much drier outside. So the moisture that's contained in those enclosures was evaporating much more quickly. And I've had it happen to me where you're used to, maybe you're on a one week cycle where you feed your tarantulas, you add a little moisture, fill the water dishes. All of a sudden you do this and three days later, the thing's bone dry. The, the water that you added is already dried out. The water dish is empty and obviously the air is dry. So that's always a concern. And then what people don't look at is the flip side of it. And when it's super humid here and a little bit warmer, I'll sometimes kick the AC on just to take the humidity out of the air. I can't stand humidity. But unfortunately, I think sometimes folks forget about that aspect of AC, that if there's really hot days, your central air is running constantly, it does dry out the air. I don't think it dries it out quite as much as the heater does, at least not in my experience, but still something to think about, that it can take some of that moisture out of the air and can make those enclosures dry out a little more quickly. So always keep in mind, whatever type of heat you got, especially I've had folks that keep them in rooms where they sometimes use a fireplace, that really dries out the air and does so very very quickly. So be cognizant of that when you set up your spiders. If you're picking them up on those off months where it's a little cooler, not as warm, whatever the heat isn't working, the AC isn't working, make sure you pay careful attention to the moisture levels in those enclosures once the heating or AC kicks on. Very, very important and something that sadly, again, I've heard from a lot of people over the years, it usually is more of an issue with slings, but a lot of people over the years lose a lot of spiders very quickly and they go, I don't understand. I just I was watering them uh, once a week and suddenly they just all dried out. I don't get it. And then we find out, well, what time of year is it over there? Well, it just got really cold. The heat's been running and there it is. So always be careful about heating and air conditioning systems. The next one I'm adding to, I after talking to Dr. Andy Anderson, it came up in our discussion. It's not something that I've used before, so I wouldn't think about it. But since then, I've heard from many people that do use them and were kind of shocked to hear him mention this as a possible hazard to tarantulas. I'm talking about essential oil diffusers. I, again, I have little to no experience. The only thing I know about them is one of my office mates at work. She has one in her office and she used it once and the stuff was, it was dreadful. Like, I don't know what scent it was, but it gave me a headache. It just really went right to my head and it was really, really potent. But Dr. Andy Anderson mentioned the fact that that could be a hazard, that those oils, when they're in the air, can be pulled into the book lungs, can be hazardous to spiders. I think a lot of what I'm going to throw in there, and again, this is one of those things like the water one. Has it been scientifically proven? No. Can Does common sense tell us that this could be an issue? Yes. People that vape, people that smoke, whatever you may be smoking or vaping, keep that away from the animals. I can't imagine that would be good for the spiders to be around, whether it be cigarette smoke, whether it be around weed smoke or vaping, whatever it may be. If you have animals, 
keep them away from that stuff. Do I have evidence that that kills them? No, I do not. But common sense would dictate that that could be something that could harm your animals. So I've often heard, again, we talk about the ones that have them in dorms and whatnot, or kids that have them in their bedrooms. And, you know, God only knows what goes up when their friends get up there and they do stuff. That's not a good situation for your animals to be in. So you want to be careful with that kind of stuff. The problem is there isn't going to be a lot of research on these things. I don't foresee somebody grabbing a bunch of tarantulas, raising them in a room where there's constant weed smoke or cigarette smoke or vaping smoke or essential oil diffusers to see how many of them die off or whatever. And and I'm not proposing that, honestly. I think, again, our common sense can tell us if it can be harmful to humans, it can be harmful to our animals as well. So make sure they're not in a situation like that. If I'm not telling people what to do with their free time, not to smoke. I don't want that to be misconstrued. But what I'm saying is don't do it around your animals the same way you wouldn't do it around, hopefully, you know, an infant or your children. So essential oil diffusers, vaping, smoking, whatever you're doing that's putting stuff into the air, keep it away from your spiders and do not give blow weed into your OBT. Think it's going to calm it down. I actually heard that story before. No joke. Somebody said they were doing an experiment to see if it calmed down their spider and uh, people. Anyway, moving on. The next one. This one has popped up quite a few times over the years. It's something that can happen to anybody. I had to deal with this back before we moved from the other house. We had done some home improvements. We had done some construction and we'd done some painting. Most folks don't realize that paint fumes can be hazardous to tarantulas. I have been privy to instances where folks have painted rooms with the tarantulas either adjacent to the rooms or the same room as the tarantula, and they have had deaths from it. Now, again, can we prove scientifically that's what killed this? Maybe something else got them, but in all the in all of the instances I've heard of this, it was multiple deaths, and it was out of nowhere. They were spiders were healthy, spiders were dead. It's important to remember that if you're painting those latex fumes, any type of fume can be hazardous to these animals. So you have to take precautions to make sure that if you're painting in an adjacent room, I think I explained when I did my dining room, my dining room was right next to the tarantula room at the old house. And we basically closed that door off, stuck stuff underneath it in the dining room. I had windows open and fans going in both windows to pull all of that air out and kept checking, going through the garage the opposite way so I didn't have to open that door and checking to make sure those fumes weren't wafting into the tarantula room. Very important to be careful if you have them in a room or a nearby room that you air it out. If you can't air out where they are, then you may have to move them until the fumes die down. And the good thing is with latex paint, the fumes die down rather quickly, especially if you're opening the windows, airing the things out. It shouldn't be a problem for a long time. But where it comes into, you know, where it becomes an issue is those situations where maybe they're painting in the wintertime, the windows are all closed, and the heat's running, and those fumes have nowhere to go want to be very careful about that. It's one of those things that most of us don't think about. The only reason I kind of thought about it was because I'd spoken to people who had had this issue before. And so when we started painting, that was a huge concern. Like I was freaking out, quite frankly, because we had to do this entire dining room and I had to do three coats or two coats on it. And I was so afraid that those fumes were going to somehow get into that tarantula room and harm them. So when doing home repairs, when doing, well, not home repairs, when painting your home, when repainting rooms or whatever, Please be very, very careful with paint fumes. The other thing we had one years ago where somebody had they had their tarantula room and the window was open because it was a warmer day. They were trying to get a breeze in, kind of air out the room a bit. And somebody went outside and spray painted. They were spray painting outside and the fumes wafted in and they lost one and they attributed it to those fumes because it was very close to the window. They went over to the spider. They smelt the fumes coming in and the spider ended up having signs of DKS and dying. So... That sounded pretty conclusive to me. 
Not scientifically proven, but I don't need to, you know, have scientific evidence to back up that paint fumes could be harmful to tarantulas. We know that talking about DKS, that's one of those things that can cause those symptoms of DKS. So be careful when painting your house, painting around the house, spray painting outside windows, whatever. Make sure that you have proper ventilation, you have fans, and keep those fumes away from your spiders. Now, number four on the list, this one is come, comes up quite a bit. I think somebody just posted something on Facebook about this not that long ago. Billy showed me that one. And it, it stinks because it's one of those deals when you get tarantulas, you're not often thinking that maybe other pets in the house could pose a threat to them, could be a danger. However, there is one very common domesticated household pet that's usually a, a member of the family that can be an absolute nightmare for tarantulas. I am talking, of course, about house cats. Now, before people get up in arms, last time I mentioned house cats, a bunch of cat lovers got really upset with me. What about dogs? Here's the deal. Cats, it's one of the things people talk about with cats, the difference between cats and dogs. Dogs love their humans, rely on their humans a lot more. Cats tend to be more independent. Cats, we know that outside outdoor cats can be an absolute menace to the outside world and to the animals outside because they are active and very, very good hunters. They have excellent hunting instincts. You take a cat, drop it off in the wild, it's going to hunt for its own food, no problem. It's not going to have any issues. And because of that, they seem to be a lot more attuned to the fact that those little cages that we're starting to accumulate on the shelf have animals in them. And those animals, they find fascinating. They want to get in there. They want to get to them. Dogs, I've had, let's see, since we've been keeping tarantulas, seven different dogs, eight different dogs. I've never had a single dog give any of my tarantulas a second glance. They could be on the glass. They could be moving around. I've had, okay, I shouldn't say second glance. I've had ones go over, a tarantula's moving around. They give it a, a cursory glance and walk away. They don't care. They don't see them as prey. They don't see them as threat. They don't see them as anything they're curious about. I kind of had the same type of thing when I had snakes. They just don't see them at the same way cats do. Cats see them as prey. So if you have a cat and you have enclosures that aren't secured or in an area the cat can get to, if the cat sees the spider, it could put it into hunting mode, in which case it's going to do everything in its little kitty powers to get that enclosure open. Sometimes it's just they bat them around a little bit, the tarantula's fine. Other times I've heard situations where they get up on shelves and knock every single tarantula closure off the shelf. I think the newest one that cat ended up knocking the enclosure off the uh, shelf. It hit the floor. It shattered, killed the spider. I've heard there's a story on arachnoboards where somebody's cat got into their OBT. They found the cat laying on the floor in pain. The OBT bit it, obviously, and the OBT torn to pieces. It's not a good situation. If you have cats, even if you have cats and they've never really shown any interest, you still want to take precautions to make sure that A, the cats can't get to the enclosures, or better, B, that the enclosures are secured in such a way that a cat can't knock them off the shelf and can't get them open. There's been a lot of folks out there that have shown me pictures over the years of how they've built shelving units that basically lock the enclosures in place. So the cats can go up there and try to bat them around all they want. They're not going to move them. I've had some folks use like high strength, super strong Velcro to try to hold them in place. Others create bungee systems or rubber band systems where they're locked in place. Some built little, almost fortress shelves that have borders around them and things that go over the top that they can lock and hold them down. Whatever the case may be, and I know there's going to be folks that chime in like, hey, my cats have never, maybe they won't, and, and in which case you're probably fine, but I do know of many, many, many instances of the cat's 
identifying the spiders are in there and doing everything in their power to get to them. And it ends up usually with the dead spider. You don't want any of your animals harmed. You don't want your spider killed by a cat. You don't want your cat possibly bitten by an old world. That would be horrific. So make sure that if you have cats that you either have them. I always, my big thing is I think with house cats and folks that have cats, hopefully agree with me. A lot of times if you have a room that you don't want to let them in, there's going to be a point they get into that room. So in which case you want to be extra careful and make sure that even if they're not normally in that room, if they happen to get into that room, God forbid they sneak in, get locked in, a door gets left open, whatever it may be, those enclosures are secure. Because then or else you put it online and then you get all the dog people coming out going, well, my dog doesn't do that. Nobody wants to hear that, right? No, seriously, all joking aside, be careful if you have cats. They do see them as prey. They will hunt them if given the opportunity, and there is more than enough evidence out there of this happening that we can't ignore it. Next one on the list is one that I've had to deal with a couple times I live in fear of. I've heard horror stories from folks. A lot of folks over in the Philippines, I think, have to deal with this one, uh, maybe more than we do in the States or maybe in Europe, but I've definitely seen them in my own house and in that transfer room, and it always freaks me out. I'm talking about and it's that time of the year, so everybody be aware Ants. Ants are something that should have tarantula keepers. I hear a lot of folks freaking out about nematodes. Ants are the things I worry about because they're everywhere. And certain times of the year, they are really everywhere. Last year, we had a particularly bad ant year. I remember being up here and seeing ants running across my shelves. I found one one time years ago when we were at the old house inside one of the enclosures. That freaked me out. The problem is ants will go out. They'll send out their scouts. If they find something that looks good, they will come back with more ants and attack it. And I've heard horror stories of folks who have lost a lot of spiders in their collection due to an ant infestation. Now, are there certain ones that are more likely to hurt the tarantulas than others? I don't know. I'm not an ant expert. I've seen the little pavement ants around. I've seen carpenter ants around before. That's the one thing around the house that Billy, obviously Billy's in pest control, that will sometimes help me out with and do some spraying where she sprays the foundation around the house away from it. And for folks who have asked before, I've specifically had her spray outside the house in my old tarantula room because the room was on the ground floor. We did have ants come from the outside. There was a window there. I was freaking out about it, but she did several years in a row, never had any issues with it. Now I'm on the second floor with the new tarantula room and she does around the foundation. But it is one of the things, you know, people ask me what I worry about. That is something I never want to see in the room because there's obviously between the, I have a bunch of colonies of feeders, the feeder roaches and stuff. There's stuff here that would attract ants if they wanted to. As much as I try to vacuum up here, keep things clean, this could be an attractive environment for ants and they could find some of the stuff to eat up here. So you want to be very, very careful that if you do see any ants in or around the vicinity of your tarantulas, that you deal with them sooner than later. You don't want them coming back and, you know, obviously attacking your whole collection. I've heard absolute horror stories over the years from folks who have come back. One guy had a bunch of slings, came back, you know, hadn't even been a couple days, noticed some ants around him, opened them out, found three of the slings basically gone, devoured. They can attack larger spiders. So obviously, if you know, a few ants here and there aren't going to be able to hurt a big six-inch tarantula, but if you get an ant infestation, it could be an issue. So the trick is to recognize there's a problem early on, make sure that you treat it and get them taken care of. You don't want them in there. There are ways. I did an episode about ants a while back, so I'm not going to get huge into this one as far as explaining what to do, but if you have ants or if you're just 
just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. I just saw some ants in here the other day. Feel free to listen to that where we talk a bit about some things you can do to protect your collection in the meantime until you get the ants dealt with because there are some tricks that you can use that like putting water basins around the bottom of shelves so that the ants can't climb up. They have to go into the water to climb up and they won't go into the water. Little things like that, tips and tricks you can use. But it is that time of the year again. Billy and I were walking the other day and we're noticing a lot of ant mounds springing up right around the house, right below the garage where my tarantula room is. And she's like, looks like I'm going to have to spray again. So just keep that in mind. If you're seeing ants around your spiders, not a good thing. You want to take care of them. Next one is... We're on number two on my list. This one pops up quite... I, I toyed with putting this one as number one because I am I honestly think in the grand scheme of things, this is probably poses a more frequent risk, but the other one is, you know, you're talking fatal. This one, sometimes you may get away with it. Cleaners. Cleaners are a big issue when it comes to tarantulas. I had somebody email me the other day asking me what cleaner they should use to clean out their enclosures. And I explained to them, I don't use cleaners like harsh, any chemical cleaners to clean my enclosures. I use warm water and white vinegar. And I mix that together and clean them out using that. I don't use any harsh chemicals, any types of chemicals on any of my enclosures. You definitely want to avoid anything. This kind of goes with the paint, anything with fumes, whether it's ammonia, chlorine, anything with chlorine, bleach. I keep bleach as far away from my tarantulas as possible. If I remember correctly, one of the questions on my tarantula test had to do with somebody using bleach and killing. I could be wrong on this one, but I think I used the bleach one. And that was inspired by a real incident where somebody was using bleach to clean a room and the fumes killed a bunch of the tarantulas off. So do not use any harsh chemicals or cleaners in and around those tarantulas. I know some folks are like, they're clean doing spring cleaning. The tarantula's in a room. They're like, this won't be a problem. If you are, I guess, I mean, if you're going to chance it, once again, you need really good ventilation, ventilation fans. I wouldn't chance it at all. I've seen more than enough evidence and heard more than enough horror stories of people using cleaners, especially the bleach ones, but any harsh cleaner around their tarantulas and ending up with either a spider with DKS symptoms or dead spiders. So obviously we all like to live in clean houses. Everybody does cleaning. We use chemicals to do so. We need to be cognizant of the fact those chemicals can be incredibly harmful, even fatal to our spiders. So you need to do some planning when you're doing your spring cleaning. I spoke to somebody not that long ago that had to clean out a room. They took, once again, took all the tarantulas, modest size collection. I think she said about 50 tarantulas, a lot of slings and stuff, but they took them all out of the room so they could do a good, thorough spring cleaning, let it air out, left the windows open, got a breeze in there, and later on that evening, put them all back in. That's the best way to do it. But you don't want to use harsh chemicals for their enclosures. You don't want to use harsh chemicals to clean the room. And you want to be careful that if you're using an adjacent room and you're using harsh chemicals that it's not making its way into the tarantula room that we know for a fact can be deadly we want to avoid that and that's why it's so high up on this list because I think it's something a lot of us don't think about I will tell you that when I came from keeping reptiles I would use chemicals to clean some of my reptile enclosures I use a lot of mixtures of bleach and water to clean out the enclosures anytime I was cleaning out enclosure I'd clean them thoroughly sometimes I'd do that right in the room and it took me a little while to recognize that I couldn't do that with the spiders so Always make sure you keep those chemicals, keep all those harsh cleaners away from your animals. You don't want a situation where you end up with a bunch of dead spiders just because you're trying to be clean. And the last one on the list, again, I debated 
whether I should switch places with cleaners. But at the end of the day, it's just 10 things you guys should be wary about. But this one is almost always fatal when they're exposed to it. And there's a reason for it. It's because this particular or these particular chemicals are meant to kill the creepy crawlies. I'm talking, of course, about pesticides. Whether it be a topical treatment for your dog for flea and ticks, and we talked about that with Dr. Andy Anderson. I shared the fact that I, the first spider I ever had, exhibit signs or symptoms of DKS. I'm almost 100% positive now I contaminated a prey item with some of that topical frontline flea and tick stuff. It was on my dogs. It leaves this oil you put down their spine, and it leaves this oily presence behind. And I know I'd been petting my dogs, and I'd have that stuff in my hands. I could smell it, and I handled some prey items. I ended up killing a spider with it. The other thing is sometimes people live in apartments, I get a lot of emails or messages from folks who want me to ask Billy what to do because they get a message from their landlord that they are going to, I don't know, bomb for fleas or spray for roaches or spray for ants, and they're terrified that it's going to kill their spiders. So that is something you want to be very, very careful with. You do not want pesticides anywhere near your animals. You want to make sure that if you're taking soil or any type of wood or moss or anything from outside, it comes from a place that hasn't been contaminated. You want to make sure that if they're in a room and somebody's spraying outside, that doesn't come in underneath the door or through an open window or through the gaps in the window. There's a lot. These are the ones like this is two things I wouldn't play around with at all. Well, the top three, ants, cleaners, and pesticides, I don't play around with. If I see ants, I freak out. If somebody's using any chemicals, I remember once we had a situation where we were doing some, Billy was doing some cleaning and dumped some stuff in the sink next door to where the tarantulas were and the fumes came in and I freaked. And it wasn't, I didn't think to tell her it wasn't anybody's fault. Later on, we just made it very care. We were very careful about where we dumped that stuff and made sure we didn't dump it in that sink because I was deathly afraid that those fumes were going to come over. And then pesticides. Again, I have dogs. I've treated them. We used to use that topical stuff. We stopped using the topical stuff because of it. But I've spoken to other folks that use flea and tick collars, things of that nature. If that stuff gets on you, you handle your spider, you handle the food, you handle the tools you're using with your spiders, there is a chance that could be transmitted to them. And again, there's a high likelihood that it could cause issues. We're talking DKS symptoms. We're talking death. So need to be extra cautious with the pesticides. Always feel free to reach out when somebody's at, we usually get, I would say one or two of these a month where somebody reaches out where somebody's spraying an apartment or a dorm or they need to get their house sprayed or they're selling a house and they need to get stuff done. Feel free to reach out. I usually pass those immediately along to Billy and ask her take on it. As a matter of fact, I haven't told Billy this one yet, but I'm looking at possibly for next week having Billy on the podcast to talk about some of the pesticides they use and some of the situations people might find themselves in and whether or not it could pose a threat to their animals. I know we've had quite a few scenarios. So if folks want to chime in with scenarios about that, that I can ask Billy, please feel free to do so because I think that would be a great, I'd planned on this a while ago and I completely spaced it, but it would be a nice way to kind of have an FAQ out there for anyone who is about to have spraying done or some type of treatment done in their house for pests what are the risks? I know just listening to Billy, there are certain animals or certain pests that they treat that could pose a risk because they're spraying. Other ones, there's no spray involved or it's a bait that the tarantulas couldn't possibly get to. We can talk to her about that and find out. So please feel free to reach out with any of your questions you have for her. But number one on this list, definitely pesticides. I've definitely lost one from it. I've spoken to many other folks that have lost ones from it. The other thing to be very, very careful of too, and I want to bring this one up because I almost ran into this myself. I used to take my stuff out when I would clean my enclosures. I'd take them outside my garage. 
and I'd have a hose out there and I'd have everything in my white wine vinegar. You know, I'd do all my cleaning out in the sun and let them dry out. You need to be very careful when you do that that somebody hasn't sprayed something ahead of time. Because I remember one year, Billy had, we had, uh, I believe it was fly bait sprayed on our trash cans because we're getting a lot of flies on the summertime. The flies love the garbage. And she had done some spraying for ants. And I realized that I had probably placed some of my enclosures where that spraying had occurred. That was my fault. I wasn't thinking. So that could have been, that scared the heck out of me. I took everything out, completely cleaned it and washed it thoroughly and, and let it sit for some time to make sure that if there was anything on it, it dissipated but that's something to think about too wherever you're working with your stuff if you bring them outside make sure they're not exposed to any chemicals that might have been sprayed outside even lawn chemicals or this isn't a pesticide but it's uh, something that could definitely harm your animals herbicides or weed weed type chemicals that you spray to get rid of weeds i talked about years ago i had those contaminated bags of dirt that I bought. It was supposed to be completely organic. And I'm pretty sure that what was in them, they had been exposed to some type of herbicide, something to kill plants. And there's been studies done that show that that herbicide can absolutely kill spiders. In fact, the report that I read said that it basically stopped them from molting and they would end up dying. And that was essentially what I was seeing as the main symptom of what was killing my spiders. They were eating well, they're doing fine. And then you expect them to go to pre-molt and they just die or they molt and die shortly afterwards. So keep that in mind where you're working with your spiders when you're taking things out and cleaning them. If you're bringing them outside, be careful. They're not being exposed to anything out there that could be harmful to them. So that is my 10. I feel pretty comfortable with this. However, as always, I like to open it up to folks to let me know what what are you seeing? What are some things that you didn't think of when you first got into hobby? I'm sure I missed something. I've been putting this together and looking at it over and over again. I'm like, what am I not thinking of? I'm sure there are other things out there to be cautious of. I'd love for folks to chime in. Again, we had tap water, windows and doors, other people, heating and AC systems, essential oil diffusers, or any type of smoked product you may be partaking in, paint fumes, cats, ants, cleaners, pesticides, and I kind of threw in herbicides in there too, but mostly pesticides and chemicals. What do you got? What are you afraid of? Have you experienced any of these? Please chime in because I'll tell you, me talking about is one thing when people come in with their own experiences, hey, this happened to me and it, you know, I, I treated something and it hurt my spider, we painted and I ended up with des- whatever it may be, that adds weight. It, it makes people pay a little more attention to it. I think sometimes people look at this stuff and they go, ah, I don't know, I'll chance it. If somebody comes out and actually experience it, that's really powerful stuff. So please share your anecdotes and then please share if anybody has questions for Billy, let me know because we'll be putting that together. I have some already from folks that I've heard from that we can have her talk about, but I think it'd be great to have her on and we can all put her, I know she and I get in discussions when she, she had to convince me that to spray for ants the first time she did it because I was freaking out about it. I did not want her spraying anything around. Anytime she treats anything, she'll treat for ticks outside. I'm freaking out about it. So hopefully she'll be able to shed some light on that. So that will do it for me this time for this one at least. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube. I just posted up a video featuring my T. Voggins. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the genus today. I keep screwing it up. T. Voggins or Mexican red rump. Awesome spider, one that unfortunately has been kind of uh, a lot of information out there now saying they're really nasty and mean. And I wanted to just kind of give an alternate, alternative perspective to that one. And so that one's out there. 
As always, guys, stay safe. Uh, figures, we're finishing the podcast, and I'm seeing the sun peak out. The rain has stopped. I've literally, I started, just to give everybody just a little fun behind-the-scenes thing, I started this podcast two hours ago. It's 45 minutes. Like, it's been so many breaks and stopping and taking some notes on other things and checking tarantulas and feeding, waiting for the rain to stop. So I'm glad I got through it. I apologize if there are parts of it where you can hear the rain in the back. Hopefully, it'll just serve as some, like, nice calming ASMR or something. I should have spoken a little more softly during it but whatever. Guys, that'll do it. Have a great one. We'll catch you all next time.